Many of you might recognize the name of Josh Ritter as a renowned guitarist, singer, and songwriter. Well, now you can add author to his list of accomplishments. Hi, I'm Valerie Jackson, and we're going between the lines of Bright's Passage, a novel by Josh Ritter. Although he's known for his music, his debut novel has been earning quite a bit of praise lately. The Boston Globe Review said about Ritter's new venture, The leap to writing fiction is hardly surprising, as many of his songs take the form of short stories set to music. Paste magazine named Ritter one of the 100 greatest living songwriters. His albums include Animal Years and So Runs the World Away. I'm delighted to welcome today's songwriter and author, Josh Ritter. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm really excited to be here today. Well, you've got a rather interesting background, son of two neuroscientists. You went to Oberlin College to study neuroscience, but you didn't quite end up doing that. How did you get yourself into an American history through narrative folk music major? You know, I grew up, you know, like you say, with with two scientists uh, for parents at the hint. And so the talk around the dinner table is usually about, you know, whatever they were working on. And, and uh, you know, I, it sounded exciting. It sounded really like uh, a lot of fun. You know, you go to work and you discover something new and, and then come home. Um, it felt great. And uh, so when I went to Oberlin, I thought that that would be what I wanted to do, you know. Uh, I wanted that kind of fun. And I guess it took me a little while to realize that that uh, that that my fun was going to be playing music and 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 writing songs and kind of studying the things that I wanted to, and uh, so I was looking for that kind of joy that they had. So, uh, and, you know, I'd been playing guitar for a couple of years, and I, I I was just in love with music and in love with songs and songwriters and all these old kind of mysterious folk songs, and and I. You know, and I just kind of uh, set up my my major so that I could do that. I I kind of designed my own thing. I went to to Scotland for a while to to listen to a lot of old folk music and play a lot of old music. And and you know, in some senses, it was a desperate plea, a ploy, I guess, to stay in school. And uh, in other ways, I just a uh, um, a lot of fun. In your college program, you studied religious music and 19th century music. Were you impressed with anything in particular about that kind of music, or was it an era that that it was about that attracted you? Well, you know, I I think I grew up, uh, you know, my folks were both come from a pretty long Lutheran sort of tradition, and and I grew up definitely, uh, you know, with with the the songs that that were really the, the things that we really sang, uh, every week in church were were all hymns, you know, the quatrain and 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 you know the Bach, the 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 the, the good tune, you know, the the stuff that that was, uh, it wasn't overly produced or overly complex, and, and you know, and it, they were they were supposed to be sung and uh, by whoever, whether you were a good singer or not, and I think that 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 more than anything has kind of shaped some of my songs and my approach to songwriting, which is that. I like the idea that people can like actually pick up a guitar and, and and actually sing a song. You know that means it's like simple enough and it's you're not it's not showy. You know whether it's religion or science or or or, or literature or music, the uh, the you know f- 
when I, I when I feel like they are they're most useful is when they are asking questions and not when they are providing answers. Because you know, even even to go back to the science, like even the scientific method says that you can only be correct ninety nine point nine percent of the time. You know, uh, it's not it's you're never gonna you can never say for sure that that if you drop an apple it won't fall upwards. You know, sometimes that might just happen, and uh, so it's always good when you when you can when you can ask. When you can ask a question rather than provide a, a a pat solid answer, and certainly with art, that's always the way. If um, you know, you know, we've all read you know kind of instructional uh, instructional novels, <laughs> and we've all we've all listened to like you know songs songs that are um, that seem to uh, be way more confident than than we feel, and uh, that's that's you know for me, I, I guess I like the stuff that that. That, uh, and I think a lot of people do I like the stuff that has a little bit more ambiguity to it. Well, as I indicated earlier, Pace Magazine listed you as one of the greatest living songwriters. What is it that you strive for people to find in your work? Do people come to you and mention anything in particular that they might be responding to with respect to your music? Uh, I think that, that the relationship between uh, a writer an entertainer of any kind and the audience is a trust that that uh or in any artist you know is is that there's a trust there that that you are taking what the attention you know whether it's money or time and that somebody gives you uh and you are using it to 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 further uh go inside and 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 explore new things you're you're using that you're using that so that you can you can spend your time working on your art and and that's that's a really tenuous and it's a blessed kind of relationship because you know uh you know if 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 somebody reads my book or if somebody goes and and even listens to my song on the way into work or or comes to a show you know miracle of miracles that's that's a big deal, you know. People are taking time out of their day, taking time out of a busy, busy life already. I mean, I know how busy it is, and uh, and they're coming, and and, and you know, the, I feel like people want to see that you're you are taking what they give you and are using it, you know, uh, to to make more. That's that's what it's about for me, and uh, and so, you know, that's 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 I feel like that's the that's the that's that's the relationship, and that's what I would hope people come out of, out of out of listening to my music or reading or reading Bright's Passage or or whatever I write next. I hope that's what they take away, is uh is you know besides the story, the idea that somebody was working hard to to bring that around. You're often referred to as a folk singer, yet that's not what comes to my mind when I hear your music. I I'd, I'd be hard pressed to categorize your music. What is your definition uh, of folk music? Well, yeah, I think that there's there's a uh, in in you know there there are there are he, there are the huge themes you know the love you know love God and war if there's anything else you know I don't know that we've do, we've it's like the three dimensions I don't know that we we've discovered the fourth in a in in a in a in a really satisfying way yet uh, but the uh but I, I do think that you know you take those you take those huge superstructures and from them hang all the all the kind of little details in in life whether you know whether it's uh you know your car breaking down or whether it's uh you know 
it's uh you read their watch wrong and and or you slept in or you know you backed over someone's dog by accident you know there's all kinds of stories that can lead out from that but they always end up going back to love or god or war or some combination of those things and i think that in literature as well as in uh, as in as in songs actually i understand that bright's passage was originally supposed to be a song is that correct Yes, it was. It was a it was a song that I'd written that I didn't have a really a place for. It was at the end of uh, my last record. I was writing uh, "So Runs the World Away." I'd I'd written all these songs, and and I just didn't have room. You know, I had a number of really narrative songs on. There just wasn't a lot of space left, and I didn't want to put another longer kind of narrative song on there. I didn't want the album to get too dense or too top heavy. Uh, I don't like it when records are too long. So I had this song sitting around, and I thought, well, I could put it out later. I'll put it out on an EP or a, some other thing, release it somehow. And then I you know, just got to thinking about it, and I thought, I'm just going to hold on to this. I'm going to turn this into a novel. You know, I want this to be a, uh, something else, you know? And uh, and so I started writing it. Yeah, it was it was went on just fine for the first couple pages, and then suddenly the whole plot changed, and uh, and I kind of was faced with the idea of stopping or just keeping going, and I kept on going, and it's was one of the best choices I've ever made. Well, if you've just joined us, I'm Valerie Jackson, and I'm going between the lines with singer-songwriter Josh Ritter, and we're talking about his debut novel. Bright's Passage, about Henry Bright, a World War I soldier who comes back to West Virginia and suffers some flashbacks from his trench warfare in France. But unfortunately, that's only part of the horrors that await him upon his return. Josh, this is a recurring predicament of soldiers coming home from war and finding a different world. Tell us about Henry Bright's return home. Well, Henry Bright comes home uh, from the the... You know the the first the first major absurdity of the twentieth century. You know the First World War. He's from West Virginia, a small place in West Virginia, and he comes back to to, to West Virginia at the end. Uh, you know he returns home physically. Whether he returns home in any other way is is really about the is really what the story is about. Is Henry Bright trying to create a uh, uh, is Henry Bright really a, a home for good, or is his mind and his heart still kind of lost out there on the battlefield in in France and uh every every time it seems we go to war we we rediscover this idea of of uh you know whatever they might call it at the time soldier's heart or shell shock or or uh post traumatic stress you know these things are you know every time it seems we rediscover that we expect people to come back with 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 some with some magical ability to put things in context, but 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 you know, we see over and over again that that's not the case. More and more, we go towards uh, pharmaceuticals for that, uh, you know, and it's all you know or other things. Henry Bright has no one to talk to, and uh, and you know he doesn't he doesn't recognize whatever it is that uh he's he's gone through and he's just trying to put it in perspective and and uh and here suddenly out of the blue comes this angel who he believes has uh saved him in the war and is now going to help him uh live out the rest of his life and and make sure that a war like the first world war never happens again uh, are you fond of horses? I know that you've referenced them a couple of times. I grew up uh, 
in Idaho around around them a lot. Certainly, my my uh, my parents both teach at the veterinary uh, hospital there at Washington State University, and there's horses everywhere there. Uh, currently, they have two miniature donkeys who who roam around uh, uh, roam around the house, um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I think that uh, you know horses are horses are are important to me in in a in a in a way I remember once a long time ago I was driving um it was right before my record animal years and I was driving somewhere late at night I was going to actually work on this record uh to write and and I nearly in the in the dark ran into a horse on standing in the middle of the road this horse was just standing there and it would have been like driving through like a a flag or something like that. It just felt like that horse was almost like a ghost. But I screeched to a stop and kind of shooed the horse off the road. And and I've thought about that horse forever since then. It was a real moment in the dark, all my own. And I think for me that has always been a real uh, something I've gone back to um, a, a real moment of, of of something happening in my life. And uh, I guess for that reason, and though it's totally mysterious to me, that was a uh, that that really shaped a lot of my art sense. A horse, though, is is really not your typical um, image of an angel, though. Why why a horse? <laughs> As uh, throughout Henry Bright's kind of time, whether he's in the trenches in France or or once he gets home. The the angel seems to be fairly willing to come from wherever, uh, wherever it wants to, and and Henry Bright seems to hear it uh, from a number of different places, uh, and to me it seemed that that the horse was, when the horse on the second page in a completely surprising, uh, in a completely surprising change of plot from what I had expected, the horse showed up speaking. Uh, you know, when the angel showed up in the horse, that was a surprise to me as well. And I think that that uh, uh, there was something about this relationship between uh, a, uh, a human and a horse that is that is based completely on confidence. You know, angels base their base their sometimes just wild pronouncements on complete conviction. Uh, uh, of tone, you know, you, you know, people believe them because they say, believe me, you know, and because what they say sounds just so wild that it couldn't be wrong, you know, and, 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 uh, for anybody that's ever been around a horse, you know, that you, that the, uh, if you act, if you act nervous around a horse, that horse is going to be nervous. They, uh, so, so Henry Bright's confidence is, is riding on this horse and the horse is, this angel's confidence is riding on Henry Bright, and 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 here are two people who genuinely, probably, you know, this Henry Bright and this angel, who maybe neither one of them have a clue as to what's going on in their lives. <laughs> when when Henry Bright goes to the war and, and sees what happens, whether it's it's the machine guns or the gas or the airplanes or the the flu or 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 any or the just just total supreme ridiculousness of of everything going on in in, in around him in the war i think you know and I, I think to many that the those sorts of things call into question uh whether anybody upstairs is in charge you know i think that's up to everybody to decide for themselves but uh i think it would be hard to go through a situation like bright had gone through and millions of people went through and hundreds of millions of people went through in the last hundred years, and not wonder whether God's away on business, you know. 
in, in the words of Tom Waits. You know, I think that that's a uh, that's a it's a it's a worthy question to be asked. And if there is a King of Heaven, uh, if there is uh, you know s- something like this that you know, as the angel Gabriel told to Mary, if there is somebody who will be um, Almighty God, then 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 why is it that you know we can't have just a good life and and everybody everybody not kill each other you know who's in charge and uh and so in search for that and and in hoping for that there's henry bright uh henry bright's angel telling him that well he could actually he could actually his, his new son will if henry bright um does everything the angel says his son can kind of take over for take over for jesus and maybe uh make things a little better for everybody uh, it's a it's a wild claim and uh, one that maybe Bright uh, uh, spends a lot of time thinking about and 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 acting on and a lot of the book springs from his decision to believe that this is the case. You were working on uh, "So Runs the World," uh, your album, um, when you were writing a Bright's passage. Are there any particular songs from um, that album that you especially relate to the novel? I would say that, that, that in terms of songs that relate to the novel, I, I feel that it's, they're very much a piece, uh, this, this novel and, and So Runs the World Away. They, they are, uh, they're both about people searching for something. Mm. You know? there's, uh, there, the, I, was, I was really interested in, in, in explorers and, and about you know, people trying to understand the laws of the natural world, gravity. You know, how is gravity like love, or is there a, is there a world beyond the uh, beyond the north? You know, beyond the ice right. at the top of the world. You know, there there are people looking for something. And and what I knew about Henry Bright when I started writing this was that he had a look in his eye, like somebody sitting alone at their kitchen table at night trying to put together a you know a, a jigsaw puzzle. You know, and and if they didn't if they didn't solve it, and if or if they did solve it, it was going to be the same look in their eye. No one else was around to see it as they were trying to put this whole big puzzle together. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's the look in the eye of a lot of the characters in mm-hmm. in So Runs the World Away as well. Well, you said that So Runs the World Away was actually one of the most difficult albums that you've made so far. But you've also said that with each record that you make, there is always one song that forms the palette by which mm-hmm. other songs can be painted. And for So Runs the World Away, you said that this was the the curse or the mummy song, if you will. Now, yeah. I think The Curse is one of your most beautiful pieces ever. And I, before we play a few snippets of it, just uh, tell us basically what The Curse is about. Sure. It's, the, it's about a... It's about a, a, a uh, an archaeologist, and she discovers a mummy, and the mummy discovers her, and they fall in love, and they go back to New York, and uh, and the uh, and things go things go awry. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of magical realism, huh? Um, Definitely, yeah. Um, can uh, let's let's listen to just a, a, a few bars of it then. He opens his eyes, falls in love at first sight with the girl in the doorway. What beautiful lines, how full of life after thousands of years. What a face to wake up to. He holds back a sigh as she touches his arm. She dusts off the bed where till now he's been sleeping under miles of stone. The dried figure of his heart 
under scarab and bone starts back to its beating. She carries him home in a beautiful boat. He watches the sea from a porthole and stowage. He can hear all she says as she sits by his bed. And one day his lips answer her in her own language. The days quickly pass. He loves making her laugh. The first time he moves, it's her hair that he touches. She asks, "Are you cursed?" He says, "I think that I'm cured." Then he talks of the Nile and the girls in bulrushes. That autoplane place where you talked about feeding the monster. Um, what is the monster? It's it's you know people call it the muse. You know, okay. or you know, you know, whatever it is, it's. I, I find that it's 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 something that basically lives at the bottom of a bottom of the wishing well. You know, it's down there, way down in the dark. You know, the type where you drop the stone and you don't hear anything come back. Whoa, you know, yeah. and it's deep and 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 in my mind, it's it's uh, amuse is never. You know, amuse feels like it feels much more friendly. Uh, but I think that anybody who who does something obsessively knows that that's that's not the way it ever is. It's you dump your friends and your enemies and all all your books and all your all the music you're listening to and every 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 interaction you have down goes down that thing and something will come up on occasion and you know they'll you know you know the the monster will spit a bone up <laughs> and that's and that's what you get you get that for for your song or for for a story or a book but it it really happens so, you know very rarely but the important thing is that you got to keep throwing stuff down there yeah, to keep that yeah. thing alive what about uh, your song, Girl in the War. Um, th- that was written in 2006 or thereabout, um, yet it seems so relevant today. Um, y- you focus a lot on war, uh, yet mm-hmm. you don't consider yourself a protest songwriter. Um, no. So are you trying to do anything, so to speak? Uh, well, yeah, with- I am. I think that the... Uh, the, I think the, the 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 part about when 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 we were when we went into Iraq and we you know and and into Afghanistan and the in in the in the short time after the after the World Trade Center I was I was astounded and and perplexed by the level of of vitriol on both on both sides of the issue and there was two sides it was there was ne- you know it was which side are you on and 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 the problem that I found with that was that, you know, I, I was saying people on the right saying hateful, horrible things and people on the left doing the same, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and there was, there was, it seemed that everybody had the correct answer. But, and, and that to me was that, that to me, as I, as I spent more time with it and really tried to figure out why I was so angry and sad. And so, so it didn't want to hang out with anybody <laughs> was the fact that it was, it, it was denying the fact that, 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 Maybe the the most important thing we have as humans is is our ability to be confused. You know, you know we we have that incredible ability to have uh, confusion in our lives and bewilderment and astonishment and and this this moment seemed to take away all that. Mm-hmm. And and so, girl in the war uh, and a lot of the animal years that 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 album was about was about saying, you know. You know whether whether the war is right or whether the war is wrong, this is a tragedy. Yes, 
this is a tragedy that's happening and and no amount of talking and no amount of singing or playing or or uh sermonizing is ever gonna is ever gonna f- change the fact that this is this is an awful moment and and it's already happened yes. you know so so singing singing a protest song which you know i i, I do not want to preach at my audience they mm. they they know they know the world just as well as i do um, i just want to say this is this is sad well let's just hear a few bars of girl in the war Peter said to Paul, you know all those words we wrote Are just the rules of the game and the rules are the first to go But now talking to God is Laurel begging Hardy for a gun I got a girl in the war, man, I wonder what it is we've done said to Petey, you gotta rock yourself a little harder Pretend the dove from above is a dragon and your feet are on fire But I got a girl in the war, Paul, the only thing I know to do Is turn up the music and pray that she makes it You once said that uh, So Runs the World Away marked the beginning of a new period in your life. How was that so? I, 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 have, a, I have a perpetual feeling like I, I have showed up at a party uh, uninvited. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was, that was, you know, whether it's, and I, I, I've always thought that the most important thing you can do is to get embarrassed and move on, you know. Mm-hmm. But this with with uh, with with so runs the world away, uh, and now with with Bright's passage, it's 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 a, I feel I feel like I'm I'm coming into a, a time period when when I I I am going to be doing this for the rest of my life. You know, mm-hmm. this is not this is not something I did for a while before I moved on to other things, and that's a that's a really powerful feeling, because I you know I've really fought to come to come through yeah. and for for my for my work to. To, to to really be heard and 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 I and now I feel that the responsibility is 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 really to continue to do do things that feel like they matter when you and, look, and that feel feel like they matter to me and, and feel like they're they're relevant to someone. Well, I've been talking with Josh Ritter, author of Bright's Passage, his debut novel. Thank you so much, Josh, for allowing us to go between the lines with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Valerie. This is awesome. Between the Lines is brought to you in part by Jackmont Hospitality and a generous anonymous supporter. We thank you. 
To learn more about the books and authors featured on Between the Lines, go to our website at wabe.org btl and listen to an archived program. Or check out our suggested reading list for both children and adults. To subscribe to a podcast of the program, go to our website and click on Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for another engaging program because there's always more to learn when you go between the lines. The executive producer of this program is Lois Reitzes. Producer, Marjorie Lancer. Editor and technical producer, Mike Johns. Opening and closing music by Afro Blue. And I'm your host, Valerie Jackson. Between the Lines is a production of 90.1 WABE.